Hi, Ron here, and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through right, those Welcome sources. to Fringe. Today we're and going to again, explore one of the short stories which Jesus tells. We're going to be looking at Luke 15, um, so you can follow along with your Bibles if you like. What a world we live in, eh? Um, I was reflecting on it a lot this week, and there was something which G.K. Chesterton once said, who's uh, one of the early, I guess, Christian fathers who, who brought a lot of stuff out. Um, he wrote a paper about medical science, and he put the idea forward that we go, you go into a hospital and you might have doctors disagreeing about what's wrong with you. But one thing you'll never have is you might go into hospital and they have to take your leg off you um, to save your life. But you'll never find when you go into hospital that you come out with an extra leg because they know what the body's meant to be like. They have the end goal. They can see it right in front of them and they understand and agree on that. Where political science, when we look at our politics and these sort of things, we don't know what the ultimate goal is. We don't know what the good is. So we get into this place where we are, where everyone just debates and fights and says, the system's flawed, everything's wrong. I can do it better, I can fix this. But it never works. I recently was reading a book by a guy called Piketty, um, which was on economics. And he put forward the idea that what we experience is, is capital growth. So the cost of houses and the money we get from those sort of things is growing so fast. And yet our wages aren't keeping up with that. So what we're finding is that in society, economically, we're being excluded more and more. The youth of today are are probably going to find it very difficult, if not impossible, to get a house without going out into the middle of nowhere and owning it. And in society, we're getting a disconnect as well. Wherever you look these days, there seems to be a disconnect in these problems. Socially, there was a another book I read called Purity a while ago, um, and it is a story which this lady looks at the world through her lenses and it starts off with this young lady in a coffee shop and she sees this man come in who she likes she thinks oh i'd like to get to know him i'd like to be in a relationship and she asks herself this internal question is it safer for me just to have casual sex with this person than to form a relationship the pain will probably be less if we just sleep together and move on, then I expose myself to, to a relationship. And that is a very sad way of looking at the world. And unfortunately, I think it's a very common one these days. Where we, we pull away from any real relationships. We um, look at each other as objects. We promote that a lot of the time now that people are objects and we live our life like each other are 
a commodity to be bought and traded and sold instead of developing real relationships. And we've got our social media and these things where we all project this image of ourselves which is meant to be what we achieve to be, what we like to be. We see it on the news all the time of these uh, incredibly beautiful people living incredibly opulent lives. And we've had it forced down our throats so much that we think that's the norm. And then we get grumpy and depressed when we realise that that's not it and that's not happening due to our political side, due to our economic side and due to the way we treat each other socially. In the middle of this, our church is failing. Our church is being eroded away as we take this idea that to be a Christian, what it's about is we need to get people and drag them to this one spot on the table sort of thing, that we go out there and we take these people in society or we do this and we form them into us, we bring them in so they can join the church. This is not the gospel. In my mind, the gospel's been used for everything under the sun except for what it was designed to do, what it is meant to be. See, the gospel, the books in the Bible, which we call the gospel, the gospel is actually the action which these guys are taking. And in the Bible, we've got the records of that. But I'll get, I'll get in trouble for saying so, but I don't believe that this is, the, this is the gospel and the Bible. I believe it's a recording of the gospel, of their actions, of what they did and how they took the gospel, how they took the good news into society. You know, the gospel came from a, a word, evangelion, which was actually a war cry by the Roman soldiers. It was a victorious cry. As they came back into town, everyone would yell out, Evangelion! We've done it. We've conquered. And that became the word of the gospel, the good news. We've done it. We've conquered. Why? Not because of us and not because we've done anything, but because of Jesus and what he did for us. So what are we meant to do? I like to picture a big table where we've got these things which we spoke about, the political worldview, the economics, the society, this false thing which we think humans are, because we've lost the ability to see each other as people. Sit around this table, and the church is in the middle, with all this moving around us, and it's just eroding and eroding what we are. As we see church growth decline, drastically in Australia there are only people coming to church the only church growth you see is people moving from one church to the other but not new Christians being made of very few of people actually coming in why? I believe it's because we look at the gospel as this centrepiece on the table where we need to drag everyone to where the entire table is the gospel and everything sits on that in the world is the base and we need to go out to these places, into the political world, into the economical world, into the social world, whatever you are, and take it with you. Find the gospel in those places, wherever you work, whatever you do. And that's the only way, the only way 
church is going to grow church is going to survive so I guess that paints a pretty bleak picture and to find out what to do let's turn to the Bible to one of Jesus' short stories which he told so this story comes and they call it the parable of the great banquet so what it is is Jesus is invited to dinner at a Pharisee's place a well known well respected man and Jesus tells a story so let's get into this says a certain man was putting on a great banquet and invited many guests at the time of the banquet he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited to come for everything is now ready so one thing we need to look at here is the timing In these days, we didn't have refrigerators. We didn't have the necessities we have to have a banquet these days. If you were going to respond to say, yes, I was coming to the banquet, it's not going to be days or weeks or months before. It'll be a very short period of time to say, yes, I'll be there. Because there was no way to prepare the food. So you had to plan these things meticulously. But then, all alike began to make excuses the first said I have just bought a field and I must go and see it please excuse me what we see here is a ridiculous excuse and an insult who buys a block of land on the spur like that particularly in a day like that who even knew what land was what the only way you knew it was by going out marking it and walking it There's no way that this guy had time to buy land, to go and inspect the land, check the quality of it, walk around the property, find where all the marking posts are and what the land actually was before striking up a deal. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. So this is another, even more ridiculous excuse. So what we have here is oxen were always sold in pairs because they worked together and to actually get a pair of oxen was a difficult task because what you'd find is one oxen might pull off this way when you put it on the yoke and one might pull off this way and you had to find the right pair which would work together to be able to plough straight which would work together. This took a lot of time. So there's no way that this guy's just bought five oxen like that five oxen when you need two this is a ridiculous excuse another one when it was only probably a couple of days beforehand he said yes I'll be at that banquet I'd love to to this very important man and then (coughs) we've got another one still another said I just got married so I can't come So this guy only a couple of days ago said yes I'll be at that banquet I just got married so I can't come that's the most ridiculous excuse of them all isn't it that's saying I'm going to go do the nasty and that's more important than this banquet 
I think that's what he's saying. I've been invited to this place of this very important man. And I'm making these ridiculous excuses not to do it to come. So the servant comes back and reports this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant to go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the cripple, the blind and the lame. So he's got this food prepared. Don't want it to go to waste. Go out there, my servant. Get the afflicted. Get the ones which everyone looks off. You know, they've got nothing to do. Bring them to the table. Bring them here. We will feed them. <coughs> the servant says, Sir, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. There is still room at the table. There is still room at this banquet. Then the master tells the servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel, compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Jesus told these short stories, these parables, to prove a point as a teaching. So we look at this. What is the great banquet? It's our salvation. It's once we die, then we're invited to this big banquet. So the people who are important, I guess, were the church people, the Christians, who were invited and made up ridiculous excuses why they couldn't come. Is that what we see today with that analogy of the table where the church is making ridiculous excuses for not spreading the gospel out into the community? For not empowering their people to bring God into wherever they are? These people with these ridiculous excuses... will not taste of my banquet. And the servant, who is the servant in this story? It's us. Yeah, it's anyone who believes in Christ. When we look at this, the servant, go out there, and what does he say first? Get the blind, the crippled, the poor, the least of us. Reach them. Reach them where they are and invite them to the banquet table. And then after that, go out into the city streets and compel them to come in to fill my house. How do you compel someone? 
there's a thing we we often look at called our story or our testimony which we're told we need to be ready to share at any time I know one thing which compels me is a person themselves I like this person he's genuine, he's real he shares what he's got and he's got something about him, this light, this this thing which I want to know him more, I want to know him better so going out into the streets how do we compel? by letting Christ work through us by being the kind of person which people want to know by changing those things inside you and developing a culture where people want to be near you in a day when we put these false facades up when you can get rid of a friend with one swipe of a finger on Facebook where we're stepping away from these communities and we're pushing ourselves into isolation this is one of the most important stories of the gospel I believe of what we need to do how to turn things around and how to make a difference how to bring people to that table it's nothing great it's no magic words no too intricate or too crazy there's no such thing as I'm not worthy or I don't have it in me or I can't do this it doesn't matter where you are whether you're homeless on the streets whether you're a blue collar or white collar working in an office somewhere or a tradesman or whatever yourself, your soul the real you develop it in a way where others are drawn to it that's all we're asked to compel people to come to my house to fill every seat at that banquet so Jesus eating at a Pharisee's house the guys who had it all together who knew every word of the Torah who preached all the time the religious the... and he tells a story like that there's so much in that and I really do believe that's the only way the church is going to grow we've got to stop looking inwardly and look outwardly the whole world is the gospel we need to go to people where they are and tell them the good news from the perspective of where they are because they're already there not because we have to drag them into this center point well I think that's enough I've hit you with for one night but please engage contact me love to have a conversation about this stuff in fact we're going to um, do a conference um, not too far down the road where we're going to be inviting a lot of the churches around the place and their leaders that's going to be the starting point how do we get out there how do we reach these people where they are and empower them to live the gospel
break some bread. We do not presume to come to this table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your great love and countless acts of mercy. We are not even worthy to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the Lord who always delights in showing mercy. Feed us then, gracious Lord, with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ in this holy mystery that we might live anew as new people and grow to be like him and forever live in him and he in us. And forever live in him and he in us. Let us sign ourselves over to that. Let God chisel away. Come inside us. Use us. Make us into things which are going to reach others. To help your kingdom come. To help your will be done. So we lift up our hearts. To give you thanks, Lord, our God. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and be amongst us as we break this bread and take of this wine. Remembering the night that Jesus told us to do this. Break the bread as his body was broken for us. And drink of this cup, his blood spilt out for us. I ask you to come forward and share of this, please. Lord, we pray tonight for all our families, for all our brothers and sisters, for all those who don't know you or just couldn't come tonight. Be with them. Show them your your light. Show them your plans. And comfort them. Father, we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice through Jesus Christ, your Son. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and to work to your praise and glory. Amen. Thank you.
and please don't forget to sign up to the baraccenter.com or the fringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more thank you again for joining us today